Kia ora and welcome to another Waiheke Radio Island Life election special speaking to the major candidates standing for the Auckland Central electorate and, and I'm joined by Oscar Sims who's standing for Labour. Kia ora. Uh, thanks for having me. No worries. So, um, Oscar, you're new to many in the electorate, uh, new to, to many on Waiheke, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm 25 years old. I'm a first-time candidate in this election. Uh, my background is actually in software engineering, so a slightly unusual background for a politician. Um, and uh, like the other candidates, I, I've got quite good local connections. I think it's quite good this year that we've got lots of locals standing. Um, so I uh, previously lived in Ponsonby, currently live in, and work in the city centre, um, and have had family connections for a long time here on Waiheke. Um, my grandmother lived here for many years and my, my dad went to school here. So, um, yeah, love this place and, and excited to be, uh, hopefully, uh, if successful, representing its issues in Parliament after the election. So, as you say, a first-time candidate, what drew you into politics? Um, so the big issue for me that, that drew me into politics and, and drew me into standing for the Labour Party was housing. So uh, I am of that age where housing is the top issue. It's the number one thing that young people are thinking about. Um, you know, I want to be able to have my own place to live and have that stability and, and be able to raise a family. And um, this Labour government has done good work in, in terms of building uh, more social housing uh, than any government since the 1950s, but there's a lot more work to do. Um, and for me, really pushing that issue and, and um, a bunch of other issues around fairness and equality and progress uh, is, is really why I'm in politics and why I'm standing this election. In, in these interviews, we're focusing very much on, on the local and electorate issues and Waiheke. So uh, what what do you, you know, you've been out, you've been talking to people, you've been campaigning. So what's your take on the, the most important issues facing Waiheke Island? Yeah, so, uh, you know, this morning I was in the big queue uh, on the wharf to get here on the ferry. And, and obviously the ferries and public transport is a huge issue uh, for the whole electorate and particularly on Waiheke, um, you know. There's only one way to get here, really, and, and if that doesn't work, then that's uh, that's not good. So um, sorting that out, I think, is a big big priority for me. Of course, uh, I myself rely on public transport, so I don't drive. I live in the city centre, and so I know how it is when you're utterly dependent on um, public transportation in order to get around. Um, the other thing that people have been talking about here on Waiheke uh, and across the electorate has been uh, protecting the Gulf and and the environmental protection side of things, you know, it's such a, a treasure and an asset for our city, and um, something that I, you know, we've 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 uh, announced this year, uh, work on that and and legislation that will uh, protect uh, a greater percentage of the Gulf. But uh, you know, I understand that there's more work to do, and um, you know, that sort of future thinking about uh, future generations is something that's really important to me, uh, as particularly as a younger person in politics. All right, well, let's, let's start off by, by looking at some of those issues in a bit more depth, and we'll start off with the ferries. Um, I mean, what if you were elected as the electorate MP, what would you be hoping to achieve to resolve that issue? I mean, I don't want to commit to a specific outcome. I think, I think the, 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 well, I should say a specific way of getting to that outcome. I mean, the, the outcome that we all want is that it's affordable and that it's reliable. Um, and that should be the case for all public transport services. You know, how, how exactly we get there and the mechanism by which that happens. I mean, I'm open for, you know, sensible discussion around whether that's, um, you know, subsidising particular types of fear, fares, whether that's, 
um, encouraging more competition. I think, you know, there is a fundamental problem here, which is that fullers are uh, a monopoly and, you know, there isn't competition and there isn't that, um, you know, ability to, uh, you know, they set their own prices, right? And they set they set the schedules and, and, and you know, uh, that that is fundamentally problematic when it comes to a, a, a you know a public service that people rely on. Um, you know, running that for profit is 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 a is a, is a recipe for disaster. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, we we sort of um, you know we're going to work hard to kind of get whatever the whatever the best outcome is. However, we negotiate that and across local and central government. Um, you know, I've worked closely with central government over the last couple of years with the advocacy and activism that I've been doing and, and built good relationships with uh, a lot of the sitting councillors. So, um, you know, I think that's uh, an, an avenue that we can definitely explore. The, you know, as you say, I mean, there's a couple of ways of, of approaching this. You know, you can stay with the kind of the market-based approach to to that route and and open it to competition. Um, or, you you know, you, it can be a monopoly but a, a public service. I mean, much a lot of public transport is a monopoly, but it's, it's public. Sure. Um, however, the, you know, the, the attempts by, by the Labor government so far to address that uh, it, it kind of is bewildering, really, that we've had you know both local board, um, minister of transport, and electorate MP all agreeing that the solution is to bring that that route under the public transport operating model, but seemingly incapable of of doing that thing. Yeah, and you know it is absolutely uh, um, yeah uh, you know it. it it is is a problem it is absolutely uh you know worrying to me um and so yeah there's there's absolutely more thinking that we need to do around you know how do we do how do we do that how do we get there um and and just getting on with it i guess uh, and and that's what i see my role as uh, as a local mp is as being the advocate for those issues and being that voice in parliament i think um you know it has been a while since this electorate has had a labor mp um and i think one of the things about being a member of one of the two big parties is that you do have that voice into the highest reaches of our parliament and in, in, in our government. Um, and I think that that's really crucial when it comes to getting these sorts of things across the line. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I think it's, uh, you know, it needs to happen and it needs to happen uh, as soon as possible. If, you know, if we look at polls at the moment and, you know, the, those are indicating perhaps a change of government. Mm. Uh, is an electorate best served by having an MP who's part of that government? Um, well, I think, firstly, I reject the premise of your question. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, polls have not been perfect for us, but there is still time in this election to go, and, and we're going to campaign hard. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of comparisons have been made to the 2005 election, which, of course, uh, you know, everyone thought that we were going to lose that, and then we managed to secure a third term in government. So I think it's more than possible that that, that happens. Um but I mean, to, to, to answer the second part of your question, um, look, it's helpful, but it's not the be all end all of um, whether someone should vote for a, a local candidate. I think, um, you know, having someone who's knowledgeable about the issues and has those deep local connections uh, is really important. I think having someone also that represents your values and represents, um, you know, the, the direction that you want to see your electorate and your, your local community move in is really important. Um, and I think also for me, like, uh, you know, I am slightly unusual in politics. I am young, but I'm also a software engineer. I'm also someone with technology sector experience, um, which is unusual in politics. And so I think, 
um, though that combination of things I think makes me suitable for a seat like Auckland Central which is a, a younger seat and has a lot of people who work in those sorts of industries. So you mentioned earlier that you know that housing is a, an issue of, of you know that you're passionate about and housing is one of the the big issues here on the island um, so what are your thoughts about you know resolutions or what should be done around you know ensuring that that the people who live here continue to have somewhere to live yeah it's a huge issue i mean you know i looked at um you know i was listening to stories of people about um the sort of state housing in ponsonby and the state housing on the mainland that had closed down and of course then people uh, who had lived in that social housing were moved out to other areas of Auckland and they, there was a study done that followed these people and showed you know just how bad that was for their health and, and you know the life expectancy and so on um, and I think that that same thing has happened here on Waiheke is that people who are on that social housing waiting list end up being moved off island and that that um, you know can be quite detrimental to them in terms of their health so yeah, it's absolutely something I want to see more of. Is is uh, you know con- is building more social housing, building more affordable housing, and um, you know we like as I said, we've we've uh, conducted one of the biggest state housing builds in New Zealand history under this government, and um, I know that if we were re-elected for another three years, that we would continue that work, and and certainly Waiheke be a place that we would look at. So you you're, you're recommending you you'd be looking at state housing being built on the island i mean that would certainly be something i would be advocating for yeah absolutely um you know i mean this is i think the thing about waiheke is um, we don't have that supply here we don't have that sort of stock of social housing here and um, i think that's um, problematic i mean you know i think there is a a more a broader thing where we need to build more housing but um waiheke is obviously unusual in that uh it's very different from the rest of auckland central where you know you can build apartment buildings or you can build um you know, you can build townhouses. Obviously, Waikiki doesn't necessarily have the infrastructure to support that. So, um, yeah, I think that kind of state-led approach um, has been one that has served Labour governments well in the past, and something I'd certainly be advocating for. Some would say that you know there is adequate housing stock on the island. It's just that it's not occupied. Do you have a, a take on you know, I suppose you know, regulating or doing something to open up the the vacant housing to for for rental? I mean, this is a really tricky one because we have to write rules for the entire country. And, you know, the overall thrust of the housing crisis across uh, Auckland and across New Zealand is not a vacancy issue. It is a supply issue. And you can see that in the student flats of Mount Eden. You know, they've got six or eight people living in a single crusty old villa. Um, You know, so that's clearly a supply issue as opposed to a sort of vacancy or a a utilisation issue. But I, I concede your point on Waiheke. Obviously, there are a lot of holiday homes that are empty for most of the year um you know again i think it's tricky to write a a sort of a single piece of legislation that would sort of only cover waiheke only cover that particular case um you know without sort of necessarily disrupting the rest of the rental market or um you know creating those kind of flow-on effects uh in the rest of the country so i think it's a tricky problem to solve that one i don't think we can uh necessarily uh wave a magic wand and say you know we can release these uh, you know these holiday homes into the sort of general housing market in Waiheke. I think um, it's a complicated problem. So let's let's have a talk about the um, the the Hauraki Golf and, and the environment. So there's a, a new Hauraki protection plan that's just been released. Um, do you do you believe that that goes far enough into you know to protect the golf? 
Um, I, it's a good start, right? I think it's it's a fantastic improvement on what we had before. I mean, we've tripled the area that was protected. Um, I don't think that's the be all end all of environmental protection. I don't think we should we should ever say this is good enough. We've sort of done our job, and I think uh, you know the Labour Party. Uh, being a sort of progressive party and being a party that's always thinking about the future and thinking about new challenges, you know, we know that that there's still more work to do there, and that that's something again that as a local MP I would be thinking about advocating for, and how do we best get that, you know, uh, that protection going, and and what's the best way of doing that? What are the best legal mechanisms? So. Um, yeah, no, I'm never going to say with environmental protection like that we've just done our job because I don't think that that's ever the way that you should approach that issue. There is uh, currently also a proposal for a new marine reserve to the, the northwest of the island. Do you support that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of uh, people talk to me about this. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, you know, I'm, again, I'm, I'm not going to sort of make a commitment on behalf of the, uh, the minister on, on that particular issue, um, you know, but... Uh, it's definitely something that uh, a lot of locals have talked to me about and are advocating for, and, and something that I would be, um, you know, having those conversations uh, with, with uh, in in terms of my party if we were to be successful in this election and if I were to win Auckland Central. Because um, yeah, there's a there's definitely groundswell of support for it here. The the island, you know, speaking to to candidates. So I mean, I think one of the things that people have acknowledged is that uh, uh, there's a there's a tension, you know, between say the island as a destination um and and the community that lives here and and you know it's it's not like a, a dichotomy but uh, you know the, there are things that uh, you know the fact that it's a, a tourism mecca really you know is one of the factors that means that there aren't enough houses for people to live on um you know we have this uh, an economy which is somewhat divided, um, you know, about having people to work in those those services and then not being able to afford to live here. Uh, how would you? I mean, what what's your vision of how you kind of reach some kind of balance on Waiheke? Yeah. So I mean, the first thing to say is that you know I I'm not that old, but even I have seen the changes that have happened to this place since I was a kid coming here. On, you know, on the summers to stay with my grandmother. Um, you know, the vibe the vibe has definitely shifted. Um, but to your point, this is the uh, you know this is the part of the electorate and one of the parts of the country that has that biggest divide between rich and poor, between the have and have nots. You know, between people who are here for six weeks a year and have you know very very expensive housing and people who um you know are, are borderline homeless or, or homeless and and um yeah i don't think again i i think this is one of those things where I, I can't say there's an easy solution to sort of solve this problem i think um you know the the island does rely on tourism to a large extent it, it is the sort of economic engine of this place um but on the other hand uh it does contribute to those problems so uh, you know, all I can say is we need to strike that balance. And um, you know, if there's if there's regulations or if there's you know, particularly at a local government level, if there's something that we need to, to do, and, and there's you know a groundswell of support from locals, then that's absolutely something I'd be open to, to advocating for and considering. Um, again, it's one of those things that I think is really hard to write laws for. How do we, you know, how do how do we strike that balance? How do you write that in a piece of legislation? Um, I'm not sure, but I'm open to, to good suggestions. <laughs> How would you see the um, relationship between yourself as a lecturer MP, council and local board working? So 
We have had a, a long history in Auckland, I think, of an adversarial relationship between Wellington uh, and the council officers. And I think that's been a serious detriment to our city is, is that, um, you know, is that effectively we have the fighting between, um, you know, the government and, and local representatives. Um, and I, I think that needs to change. I think, um, you know, one of the things that, that I come with is I come with those connections into local government. So a lot of the work I've done on housing in the past has been focused on lobbying and advocating with local government representatives. Um, you know, I uh, obviously as a member of the Labour Party helped out several Labour affiliated councils in the last local government elections, which, you know, helped me build strong relationships. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a case where... Uh, we need to be working in partnership. Uh, and local boards, I think, is exactly the same thing, making sure that, that we have those positive working relationships and that we're not sledging each other in the media and that actually we're working for the interest of the city. Um, you know, Auckland Council is the biggest single local government area in the Southern Hemisphere, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I believe that's the case. And uh, that, of course, makes the dynamics of, of Auckland Council and local government um, quite different to a lot of uh, regional or territorial authorities. It means that uh, you know Auckland, uh, Auckland Council has a lot of power and it has you know responsibility over a very large number of people. Um, councillors represent more people uh, than local MPs do, which is very very unusual uh, in most countries. So uh, yeah, absolutely, we need uh, we need those good working relationships because I think that's the only way that we get those good outcomes for people. And what kind of experience do you bring to play? And, you know, I mean, you've talked a little bit about working on some of those campaigns, but, you know, what kind of experience do you bring to bear in informing those relationships? You know, I mean, can you give us an example of the kind of uh, where you've been able to do that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I have a really, really good relationship with councillors like Corinne Leone and Shane Henderson. And, um, you know, there were a series of fairly contentious votes on housing. Uh, in the term of the last council and so uh, you know the group that I was part of the coalition for more homes um, we were quite instrumental in uh, advocating for I guess what you would call a sort of younger you know more pro-housing uh, vision um, and you know I think we successfully uh, there were several votes in that council that you know we sort of successfully helped uh, change people's minds on and, and you know we met with I think just about every single one of uh, of Auckland's councillors mostly via Zoom um, and and yeah so I had those conversations and I think actually when you talk to people about their values and you talk to people in terms of their um, you know not not just in sort of partisan politics but actually in terms of you know the vision for the country and how, how we want things to get better um, I think that's a really good way of getting progress on these issues, even with people who, you know, might have a, a blue rosette or a ro red rosette or a green rosette. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the sort of uh, uh, advocacy I want to continue if I was the local MP for Auckland Central. Um, another area of advocacy for an electorate MP is constituency issues. Um, you know, a, a, a very wide range Um of those issues what kind of experience have you had of you know advocating on those more personal issues so uh previously i was on the committee of the city center residence group so i served for a while as the treasurer and then uh oh, sorry while as the secretary and then and then uh after that as the treasurer and uh you know you do that kind of grassroots work 
for local residents group and that really is I think very similar to the sort of constituency work that you would do uh, as a politician or as an MP um, so for example uh, one of the concerns in the city centre has been alcohol policy and making sure that these cowboy operators, um, you know, aren't having their liquor licences renewed. And, and, and so, you know, a lot of the work we did was, um, you know, coordinating people, listening to, you know, here's, here's the problems with this particular outlet, you know, they're causing um, carnage in my apartment building or what have you. Um, and then, you know, writing submissions and coordinating that and making sure that we were um, engaging with that process. And... Uh, you know, I think that's similar across across a broad range of issues. So, um, you know, there's obviously a lot going on in Auckland Central around public transport. Um, you know, the city centre is obviously changing a lot in terms of the street layouts and, um, you know, trying to find a better, uh, you know, uh, negotiate a solution, I guess, that is acceptable to both businesses and also residents um, was something that was really important to us. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. Um, and I think you know uh, we've we've now got a solution that doesn't suit anyone well um but yeah that's you know that's the work that that you do as a as an activist and as a um as a local community member and the work that i again i'd love to continue doing um uh you know with with higher stakes in wellington so you're standing against um in an established candidate you know chloe's been our mp for the for the last three years um, why you know why would you be a better option than her? So I think there are a few reasons. I think the first is who I am. Um, you know I do bring a different uh, a different set of skills and experiences uh, to the role than than Chloe would. So again, you know I've talked about my technology background and, and in that industry, and I think can you expand on that a little bit? Why do you see that as an advantage? So. Uh, we have no nobody with sort of direct technical experience in our parliament at the moment, and we face big challenges in terms of things like artificial intelligence, um, in terms of you know online misinformation, in terms of um, the interaction between technology and journalism, and uh, you know I think we need people who have actually had direct experience with some of these subjects um, in our parliament. So. You know, I've worked at an AI startup, for example. Um, I then went on and worked at an anti-money laundering startup, which is, of course, crucial to our efforts to regulate cryptocurrency. Um, so these are the sorts of things where it's a, it's a you know an unusual uh, background for a politician. I think we've only had one previous uh, MP with experience in computer programming and in the tech industry, and so. Um, you know, I'd like I'd like to continue that work. I'd like to be uh, that voice in in a Labour caucus who can say, "Well, I have the technical experience. I've worked on this, and I know uh, you know what what's the best way of handling these sorts of issues." Um, so that's that's the first reason. So we go back to your original question about Chloe. Um, so that's the first reason. And I think the other one is just that um, you know, look, I, I mean, you know, I, I have no sort of personal beef with Chloe, but she's very busy, um, and she is effectively the the leader of the Green Party at this point, um, with the number of portfolios that she has and and the amount of work that she's doing around the country. Um, and I think we just need someone who's really focused on local issues. I mean, we've had uh, you know this wide ranging conversation about all of the sorts of local issues that are happening uh, on Waiheke at the moment and, and across Auckland Central. And we just need someone who can do that job full time. Um, you know, Chloe, if we win the election, is, is likely to be, um, you know, pretty sort of senior in terms of uh, portfolios and things. And, and uh, you know, I will be a first-term MP and coming in and, and able to just focus full time on, on that role. So, um, yeah, I think those those are the sort of two big reasons. 
Um, you know, there's just a tactical voting angle. If you want more young progressives in parliament, then um, you know, I, you, you're not risking anything by voting for me. Chloe's getting back in on the list anyway. So, well, thank you very much. So we've been speaking to Oscar Sims, who's standing for Labour in Auckland Central. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me.